Station. Ladies and gentlemen of Lafayette. The Hammered Down Show with Jared Jesolitis is Lafayette's number one sports show. Yes, I'm excited. He totally went to Jared. The voice of Lafayette sports. The cream of the crop. Nobody does it better. Send us your thoughts on the text line at 765-447-4080. Now go to that voodoo that you do. Goldenblack.com scheduled to be with here, uh, us here in about 15 minutes. Uh, Tom is going to help us break down this uh, recruiting class for Purdue, uh, what he likes about him, maybe areas where they uh, could have done better, uh, stories. We'll get everything from him, too. I do want to ask a little bit about Florida State as well because uh, he is plugged into those type of things. Maybe he's heard something, and maybe he can shed a little bit of light on that for us. If you haven't heard about it, uh, let's talk about it, because uh, it is in today's Need to Know News. Here's your Need to Know News. Yeah, well, you may have heard the Florida State has not been happy with its position, especially in the ACC, and it's being left out of the college football playoff. It seems like they're taking their frustrations out on the conference, which they've had some beef with for a while. Now, they've called a special board meeting of trustees for today. That board meeting was expected to discuss the future of the ACC and explore the initial legal steps to challenge the conference grant of rights. Here's the thing I think you have to consider. Are they upset? Absolutely. They have to take this step. They know what it's going to take, but they have to take this step in order to get the process started. And we'll ask Tom this, but I do not think Florida State would start down this path if it didn't have somewhat of an assurance by either the Big Ten or the SEC that it can find a home there. I would be shocked if they thought they could just do this, apply to where they want to, and get in. I discussed this with you the other day. I told you, with Florida State and their puff of the smoke. I don't know that the Big Ten's necessarily locked. I do know the SEC, there's going to be some pushback. If Florida State dig it in the SEC, there's no way Miami's doing it. I can tell you that. Florida would absolutely hate that. But then again, A&M tried to keep Texas out of the SEC. That didn't work. It all comes down to money. Big Ten hoops last night. Nebraska down 10 at the half. I told you I do not trust them. Terribly inconsistent and poor shooting from Nebraska. They did rally to beat North Dakota 83-75. Iowa hit the over somehow. Uh, 103-81, to just barely. Northwestern 65-46 over Arizona State. There is good news in that Northwestern win for Purdue. Thanks to the win over Arizona State. That means Northwestern has slid back up into the 60s in the net, and that makes Purdue's loss of them a quad one loss again. 
Tonight, Boilermakers will host Jacksonville. That spread's jumped three points of where I got it at this morning. It's back down to 32 and a half. It was sitting at 30 this morning. Ohio State, 24 and a half tonight, hosting New Orleans. Michigan State and Stony Brook, 22 and a half point spread. Has Michigan State really wowed you? I know they haven't. You think that they're going to... 26 and a half points? I'm sorry, 22 and a half points against Stony Brook? How bad is Stony Brook? They're 245 in the net. This would be a quad four home game for Michigan State. Maybe I'll... Maybe I'll pump the brakes just a little bit there. They only average 63 points a game. Also going on in the uh, Big Ten tonight, Penn State, 19.5-point favorites over somebody. I've never heard of LeMoyne. Do you know LeMoyne? I've never heard of it. Anyway, they're nearly 20-point favorites against them at home. And Ball State's going to head to the barn to take on Minnesota. The Gophers, 11.5-point favorites. IU hosts North Alabama. 14.5-point favorites, and you know my feelings on IU trying to cover. I look. I get the sense that tonight with those guys, maybe they're a little bit more plugged in. I think after the last outing where they looked very foolish, perhaps the Hoosiers... Uh, want to be a, a, a little bit better tonight. That's that's my take. We'll see. North Alabama's two thirty in the uh, uh, in Ken Palm. They're not that bad of an offensive team. They're a bad defensive team, though. We'll see. It comes down to can Indiana hit three pointers? Or are they going to go over? For the entire first half. That's what it basically comes down there for them. Uh, good news for Colts fans. Uh, Jonathan Taylor out full participant today in practice. They kind of put a, like a, a brace or something on his thumb and stuff. He was going to give it a try. Um, they should be talking to media uh, within the last hour or so, I would think. We'll, we'll see how he felt. But uh, the other thing, too, was Michael Pittman Jr. was a full participant, did not have the no-contact jersey on, which leads you to believe that he's past protocol and would be, go to, uh, would be good to go on Sunday to play Atlanta. Bulls last night with a win over the Lakers. Where are the Bulls coming from all of a sudden? That is no Zach Levine last night. They have won eight of their last ten games without Levine. Huh. Pretty interesting right there. So, I mean, they've been hot here. DeRozan, 27.7 boards. Uh, he had nine assists. Last night as well, as the Bulls have now won uh, three of their last four. Meanwhile, Pacers ride rough shot all over the uh, Hornets, 144-113. to 113. Buddy Heald, 25 points to lead the blue and gold, 13 assists from Halliburton. Both squads are back in action tonight. Again, uh, the Bulls will take on the Spurs, five-and-a-half point favorites at home. Pacers in Memphis take on Jaw and the Grizz. Memphis, minus two-and-a-half tonight. And uh, there you go. That is today's need to know news. All right, uh, we've been we're we're on we're off we're on we're off here. It seems like uh, on the uh, bets here. So last night we're off because 
flipping Iowa can't extend that lead like they should last night. Left it too close. Kept scoring. How many turnovers were in that game? Like every time I turned it on, it just felt like I, they really wanted to get up and down the court. I, you knew with the top, two top 20 tempos that those uh, both those teams were going to get after. But I honestly thought that as poor as... Um, as poor as UMBC was, that they weren't going to be in it that last ten minutes, and Iowa would throttle it down. Uh, they don't. They don't do that at all. So we're back after tonight. Uh, here's the good news: is we got more Big Ten basketball, and we've got a Thursday night football game. Let's start with Thursday Night Football. The Rams minus four hosting the Saints, and it scares me because it seems like a slam dunk for the Rams. Uh, I would rather move it to the minus three, to be honest. I don't trust the Saints to do anything. I mean, absolutely nothing tonight. Here's my problem, though, is it's like almost 90% of the money on the Rams, and that usually signals danger. That's like when all the analysts take the same team. And you know it's going to go bad. But I think there's some spots here where we can pick. uh, We can stay off of that uh, spread and make some money here tonight. Taysom Hill. We want to look at rushing yards tonight for Taysom Hill. And as long as we're uh, under 20, I think we are good to go here. So let me tell you this here. The Rams are 8th in rushing yards allowed to opposing quarterbacks. So, you know, right off the bat, this thing has got my attention. He's at 16.5 right now. Hill has had at least 5-plus rushing attempts in 5 of his last 7 games, and the Saints have given Hill fewer than 3 rushes only 3 times this season. You get him at 16 and a half, I think that's a steal right there. Also, what I would consider a steal tonight, Cooper Cup is plus 120 right now to score a touchdown. Now, that is down from plus 150. I get it. You might want to shop around. I'm, I'm just looking at DraftKings right now and what it is. But plus 120. Saints play man defense, the second highest rate in the league. So that's going to be big for Cup. He leads the Rams in targets per game now and touchdowns against man, despite not even being there for four games. During this three-game touchdown run that he's been on right now, he has scored against teams that play man at a top-10 rate in the Browns, who play first, the Ravens ninth, and the Commanders tenth. And he scored against all of them. Boy, let me tell you, I don't believe the Saints' defense uh, is as good as the Browns. Or the Ravens, probably better than the Commanders, but that's my point. I ain't Cooper Cup. Goes four straight games. So those are the prop plays I'm going to go tonight. Purdue is minus, what, 30, 32? I took a team total on Purdue over, what did I get it, like 80? I think I got it like 88 this morning. 88 and a half. And that has climbed considerably. 
Um, if you're on a book that's got the player props, I I hate him in this one. Like I think they had Zach at like 25 and a half, which is great, but you know this is not a team that's going to match up well, and those guys are probably not going to be playing this whole game. Um, again, we're up over two points here. It's 30 points, but also we're talking a spread of one for, over under 147 and a half. Man, I don't like you know I, I don't like that at all. I'm I'm avoiding it. Team totals up to 90. Jacksonville team totals over 56 and a half. They average 76.8 points per game, and uh, we're getting that a full 20 points below what these guys average. But here's the thing, Purdue, 12th in adjusted defense. They've been playing really well. Jacksonville State, 278 in uh, that adjusted, I'm sorry, not Jacksonville State, uh, Jacksonville, 230 in that adjusted offense, 301 in the adjusted defense. I mean, I honestly think Purdue's going to run away with this one in the first half. If you're going to get into this, maybe this is a first half bet for you guys. At which case, Purdue minus 18 and a half in the first half. I like him over 40. I, you know what? Forget that. Take him over the 43 and a half right now in the first half. You still got all the starters in. Should be pretty easy. All right, we're going to take a break here. Coming up next, Tom Deanhart, goldenblack.com, our guest when we return here on the Hammer Down Show. 1017 The Hammer, 1017. All right, welcome back. It is the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer, 1017TheHammer.com. We're over to the Blue Fox Eating Cooling Hammerhead Hotline. Tom Deanhart of goldandblack.com is on with us here. Tremendous website, and he just does such a great job of covering football for you guys over there, letting you know uh, everything that you need to know about your Purdue Boilermaker football team. Tom, welcome back to the show. Always great to have you on here. Uh, it seemed like a good day for Purdue football yesterday. 25 in the class. Um before we get into uh, these guys a little bit more specifically, uh, I had said this. I'd love for you to back me up on this. I, I think the biggest accomplishment in all this may not even be the players, but in the new NIL landscape where your verbal doesn't really mean anything, the fact that you really only lost you know, what one guy uh, over the last month or so down the stretch here when the portal opened to, to get all those guys across the finish line, I, I thought was pretty darn impressive by this uh, staff. Yeah, you're right. Ryan Walters talked yesterday about how it was good. There were no surprises, you know, no signing day surprises, no defections. Everybody who they expected to submit a signed letter of intent did so. So it was a pretty event-free signing day for a, from a Purdue perspective. Like you said, you had 25 guys in, 23 high school players, and two junior college transfers. And, uh, yeah, I think one of the bigger storylines was the offensive lineman, the influx there, uh, uh, they signed six yesterday, four high school kids, two JC kids. And, Jared, you factor in, they got three portal linemen coming in, too. That's nine new offensive linemen that will be on the team next year. And they may, may end up getting maybe another portal offensive lineman before it's all said and done. So a big effort to try to improve the depth and the talent at that offensive line spot. That seemed to be the real winner uh, yesterday was the offensive line because they had so many. 
Uh, if there was a, a spot that I felt like, hey, could he use maybe one or two more guys at? I understand the size of the class, and, and you know, you're addressing your other needs, but uh, not a lot of linebacker help. I thought specifically inside linebacker in this class. Should I be worried about that? Yeah, I don't know. You know, that's, uh, I think in the spring, Jared, the word is they're going to try uh, Kydron Jenkins at inside linebacker. Uh, I think maybe they, they believe that he could be even better suited there, especially if he wants to play in the NFL. Um, uh, so maybe they think KJ is a guy that can handle that spot. Uh, when they typically only use one, you know, it's got Yanni coming back. they got Clyde Washington coming back. Maybe we'll see a guy like Winston Bergman to get a look at inside linebacker, but you're right. Nobody specifically really signed to play that ILB spot. So um, a couple uh, couple outside linebackers. they got the D.J. Allen kid from near Memphis they like a lot. And Jamari Payne from Auburn, Alabama, is a guy that could play either OLB or move inside. And, now, of course, Jerry, they got two portal OLBs coming in. Um, uh, the kid from Boston College, and then they got the kid from Georgia. So uh, they, they've really paid more heat to the OLB spot than the ILB spot here so far this winter. We're talking with Tom Deanhart here our, uh, from GoldenBlack.com on our Blue Fox Eating Cooling Hammerhead Hotline. Uh, another position I think that fans have been really nervous about uh, since the portal opened. Obviously, we talked about this, the defection of uh, a lot of the wide receiver room. Uh, I think it's a lot to ask a uh, 18-year-old kid to come in here, uh, especially if they're not here in the spring, and uh, contribute. But are there any of these wide receivers that came in in this class, because there were a few of them, are there any of those guys you feel like can be contributors day one when they get here? This kid's always a tough ask. I think that the two highest-rated kids, um, uh, Traymar Harris and, and Shamar Rigby, um, uh, Rigby especially six foot five is very intriguing. He's from St. Petersburg, Florida. Um, so if you can believe the ratings here, those two guys you would think would have a good shot to maybe come in right away and contribute. Um, they have one portal wide receiver coming in already, a guy named Cam Brown from UCLA, and this will be his, uh, I believe, his sixth year of college. He uh, he began his career at Texas A&M, where he played uh, played for a couple of years before going out to UCLA. So a big key for these guys, for a true freshman year, if you really want to try to contribute as a true freshman, is, is to get here in the spring. And uh, Tramar Harris will be here in the spring. He'll be the only wide receiver, only high school wide receiver that's going to get here early this year. So he may be the guy for fans to circle as far as the incoming freshman receivers who can maybe impact uh, this, this coming fall. Tom, you've uh, you've talked to a lot of these kids here. You you watch the tape and everything. Uh, you know a lot about them. Tell me, uh, if fans are looking for uh, the, the, the top of the class, who are the guys to watch for? And give me your favorite kind of sleeper pick here that you think, hey, this might have been an underrated find for Purdue. Well, I think without a doubt the, the gem of the class is Coy Beasley, um, uh, defensive back from, from Cincinnati, Ohio LaSalle High School. Uh, not the biggest guy, Jared, about 5'10", 180, but, boy, talking to Grant O'Brien yesterday, the safeties coach, listening to Coach Walters yesterday, uh, this guy injects an element of speed that this secondary uh, very much needs. And um, uh, he's also a guy I think that's going to help on special teams as a return man. And and if you look at the sheet Purdue handed out yesterday as far as listing all of their signees, they just look busy as an athlete. And, you know, yesterday I heard that he may get a look on offense, too, so a real special player here, Coy Beasley. He's not going to get here early. Um, he'll get here in the summer, but that's the guy I think is a definite gem of his class. And I think right on his heels, 
a kid named Luke Williams, um, a safety they got over the summer from, from Illinois, uh, a kid a lot of people want, especially the University of Illinois. I think the fact Ryan Walters has a lot of experience developing defensive backs really played heavily in Luke Williams' decision to come to Purdue. He's a guy I think they're very excited about long-term. And You know, my sleeper pick, Jared, I, I stick in the secondary. I love this kid from Grand Rapids, Michigan, uh, four central high, Ty Hudgens. Um, he's got a little a bit of Dylan Thieneman in him. Oh. And he came to camp. He came to camp this summer. Really wanted the Purdue offer. Purdue was kind of filled up in the back end there, and he ended up uh, he ended up taking a scholarship offer from Northwestern. Uh, Purdue circled back this fall, watched his tape again. Some, some some scholarship situations opened up, and they gave Hudgens a scholarship offer. He quickly uh, he quickly gobbled it up. So that's a kid I think um, in the back end safety that is not super highly regarded and least highly rated by these services. Well, I think in the long term, could maybe be a real sleeper in this 2024 class. Yeah, I, I've expressed how I don't really love the services. I don't really love the ratings. I, I know on three, your guys' uh, system does stuff, but uh, how, I mean, how many high school kids are there? there? There's only so many you can look at. You don't understand the situations. Algorithms are doing a lot of this work. Uh, and then I'm telling you, it seems like you go one place, they drop you down a star. You go in a portal, you go someplace else, uh, they make you a four-star guy all of a sudden. It just I, I think those ratings, trying to stack this up, and I think fans get lost in some of this because we talked about how you know Indiana's had some pretty good recruiting classes for like the last five or six years. And, and where do they always end up at? The bottom of the Big Ten. Like there, There's so much more that goes into this. And on top of that, I don't think these guys always get it right. It's hard, I guess the thing I always look at, Joe, I, I know you're a big NFL fan like me, and the NFL, can you get the NFL draft right, Jared? <laughs> and think of the think of the resources that those teams have uh, as far as scouting college talent. All the guys that go out and watch games, they go to all these pro days, they watch all this film, they have the NFL combine, scouts upon scouts, they do background checks, Jared, and they still routinely mess up NFL draft choice, even first-round picks. But you think they'd be the one hundred these guys right. So uh, I always remember that. Then how in the world can they evaluate these high school kids? But they try. I think there's some validity to it. Um, certainly we know that it's not, uh, it's not a magical science that's, that's exact. Uh, I think it's more for the fans. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's always a fun exercise. And um, I tell you what, one guy who is coming in here with, with a, some, some pretty good accolades is, is the kicker. And not often you see high school kickers get scholarships. Usually you got to come as a walk-on and earn your scholarship after a year or two. But Purdue felt so moved by Spencer Porath, kicker from Brownsburg, Indiana, that they offered him a scholarship. He's coming in. A good athlete, Jared. He's not just a kicker. He plays basketball. Played last year on, on the he's probably play this year, two cannon catchings at Brownsburg. So a very good athlete, a kicker, strong leg. He was Mr. Football kicker in Indiana this year. So, He's a guy that's going to be interested to see if he can come in and win that kicking job right away as a true freshman. Six foot one ninety five. Yeah, maybe we ought to list him as athlete as well instead of just kicker because he's definitely not built like a regular kicker. Yeah, I know Ryan Walters likes him. I really talked about the fact he was a good athlete. He knows how to compete, and um, uh, just not a pure specialist. Who uh, a kid who really grew up playing a lot of sports at a high level. So he's one of the more intriguing guys, and of course the quarterback, right? Every class has its quarterback, and Purdue got its quarterback early. The quarterbacks always commit early. Uh, Marcos Davia from, from Texas um, was initially committed to Texas Christian. They, they walked away from him. They had to change the offensive coordinator. 
And then uh, Graham Harrell got involved. Graham Harrell had recruited him when he was at West Virginia, so he knew him. And that sort of ignited that relationship, and, and Marcos committed way back in March. So he's a big guy, 6'3", about 220. He's going to get here early. And it's funny, Jared, Purdue already has his 2025 quarterback committed, too, if you remember, another Texan named Sawyer Anderson. So these quarterbacks typically jump on to their offers early here. Tom Deanhart from GoldenBlack.com on the Blue Fox Heating, Cooling, Hammerhead Hotline. All right, Tom, now that this is all done, uh, the portal's wrapping up here soon, right? So uh, what what comes next? What should we expect throughout January and uh, into February in regards to football? Yeah, you know, the portal closes, I think, is January 2nd. There's a 30-day window, December 4th and January 2nd. Now, that's when you have to hop in the portal, Jared. Once you're in the portal, even after it closes, you can still exit it. Um, so from a Purdue perspective, though, they've got eight guys right now. I think you listen to Coach Walters talking to some people around the program. I think I think there are at least going to be a couple more guys that, that come out of the portal to Purdue. I think a wide receiver and a cornerback, that's what I would focus on. That's what I would look for maybe. They always like keeping a couple of scholarships open, too, as they work their way through spring football. And you know, Jared, there's always going to be some more movement post-spring, and that's when actually the second portal window opens April 15th to April 30th. So, there won't be nearly as much movement in that portal window opening as there is in this one. And, again, from a Purdue perspective, look for a, at least a couple more portal guys, I think, and um, they'll get through spring football, sort of evaluate their roster, see if they have any other needs to address, and then sort of move from there and, and, and decide if they want to pursue some other portal guys in that second window. Tom, before I let you go, um, because I know you're plugged into everything conference-wise here, uh, there has been the saber rattling down there at Florida State. I know they're going through a meeting today to explore the process of getting out of the ACC. My thought is that they don't get. I, I know they complain they've done the barking and stuff, but my thought is they don't uh, get disemboldened to start the process unless they have talked to either the SEC or the Big Ten and gotten some assurances that if they became free agents, that they would be welcomed with open arms. Um, I don't think they're a fit in the Big Ten, but then again, money talks, right? So uh, have you heard anything? Do you have any thoughts on perhaps the Big Ten adding in a Florida State? Can you see it happening? What have you been hearing? What are your thoughts uh, on that situation? I, I really haven't been tracking. I've been so busy with recruiting stuff for the last month or so to, to really get much thought or really even read too much about it. They've been they've been making noise for, for months now about wanting to get out. I don't know where they're going to go. I, I don't see the Big Ten adding anybody or the SEC at this point. That, that's always the question. People wonder, where are you going to go? You want out, well, where are you going to go? May, I don't know. So we'll see. It's probably going to cost them $150 million. And uh, certainly wouldn't be good for the ACC. Maybe it's the first step in the demise of the ACC. Um, the two schools in that conference, I think the Big Ten, Wants are North Carolina and Virginia, uh-huh. uh, more so than for, than the Florida State. Um, so those are the schools. I mean, a lot, a lot. Of, I mean, the SEC would love to have North Carolina, Virginia too. Believe me, I don't think the SEC would want Florida State with Florida already in its conference. Maybe it would, but again, uh, from my standpoint, from everything you always read, it's Virginia and North Carolina that are the, the, the apples of the eye of, 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 of the Big Ten and the SEC. But like I said, maybe this will destabilize the ACC and. And it'll begin falling apart, but I don't know. They still have that grant rights agreement that goes on for another ten or twelve years. So I really don't have a good answer for you, Jared, as to where this is going to lead, where Florida State's going to go, or what this is going to look like when it's all said and done. I feel bad for all these people that make the schedules because the second they get it all, okay, cool, we got the new teams in, we're good to go, right? And then what do they do? They they start kicking the tires on new teams. Like, come on, man, wait, can we get through what I just worked on for the last six months? 
Yeah, it's kind of it's all a mess. I mean, I don't know. It's it's just I don't know where it's you know when you lose when you get too far flung, you lose intimacy. To me, the great thing about sports, college sports, high school sports, are rivalries and and proximity is so much so big in rivalries. I mean, and as conferences get bigger, you don't play teams nearly as often. And I don't know. It's um I don't know where it's going, but it's it's, it's becoming fewer and bigger and. I don't think that's a good thing. I think I can't wait for the electricity between Minnesota and Florida State playing football somewhere in November in about three inches of snow and watching everybody freak out. Tom Deanart, goldenblack.com. Again, he's got you covered on all this, especially as the portal remains still a bit active here. Uh, we'll see what hops out. Tom's been having all kinds of rumors as I posted on Knucklehead Central, which I absolutely love reading. Tom, it's always a pleasure having you on here. Have a uh, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Have a great Festivus as well, my friend. All right? You too. Take care, Jerry. Merry Christmas, buddy. Thanks, Tom. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll come back. Hey, got more Hammer Down show for you next on 1017 The Hammer. 101. Back on the Hammer Down show, it's Jared Chesilatis with you here. And uh, big thanks to Tom, DeanHartGoldenBlack.com, just bringing us all the good stuff there. Um, always good, man. I'll tell you what, lucky to have him here and uh, help us break down that uh, recruiting class tonight. Purdue, Jacksonville, Big Ten Network, 630. Uh, that game uh, sold out as well. Uh, Jacksonville is about what you think that they are. It's uh, not a terribly great team. That's 273. Uh, it is going to be uh, one of the three lowest-ranked teams that they will play the entire season. Uh, this is very much a quad-four home game for Purdue um, against a, again, it's a, a net 273, Ken Palm 271. Um, they're, what do you want? They, they got six wins. They're all quad-four games. I mean, Purdue will cruise to this one. Which is kind of odd to be honest with you, because when you actually stack some of the uh, some of the advanced metrics next to each other, Jacksonville's kind of like right there. Scoring offense, there's a it's a good ten point gap, but scoring defense is virtually the same, sixty two point seven versus sixty two point six. But the offense is really bad for them. Despite that fact, Jacksonville still shoots forty five percent. The effective field goal rate is 51%, produces 52. They both average uh, 6.93s made. Both at about 21 attempts. I believe they actually shoot three-pointers at a higher percentage than Purdue does. So it's a little crazy. Now, they're going to absolutely get crushed on the rebounds tonight. This is a very poor rebounding team in Jacksonville. So, yeah, Purdue should crush there, provided that they provide uh, enough um, resistance on defense to force those. It's uh, it's going to be a cruise again. I implore you to watch out for those player props tonight because, again, this feels a lot like the, you know, the, the Texas Southern game to a degree. And go, is Gold Black throughout that uh, what? So they're at a two seventy three net. Jacksonville, it's the third lowest ranked opponent. Texas Southern was at three oh nine, so that would be the closest. So it's not a bad frame of reference there. The Texas Southern game, and you go back to that one, and Purdue absolutely dominated the boards, forty six to twenty nine. Um, 
Zach Eady had 15 points, only played 21 minutes. Braden Smith played 25 minutes, scored 19, had 10 assists. That was the near triple-double game for him. But most of those starters, so Trey Kaufman Wren put in 17 minutes, Fletch put in 17 minutes, Zach put in 21, Smith put in 25, Lance Jones put in 21 minutes. And a lot of benchmen for Cam Heidi, Caleb First, Mason Gillis, Miles Colvin, and Ethan Morton, all of which I would expect to see 15-plus minutes in again for those guys here tonight. Kind of gives you an idea of what you are going to see, Purdue. Uh, 44 points in the first half, 55 in the second half of that game. Uh, you would think that it would have been kind of you know reversed that way, but it, it just wasn't. But I can say this with a, a lot of a lot of certainty: Purdue is going to dominate on the boards tonight. But they do need to force those missed shots. I think there's been plenty of examples this week in the Big Ten and in college basketball in general that have shown these uh, so-called mid-major teams giving top 25 teams, giving Big Ten teams absolute fits. And last night was not a great night for top 12 teams. Creighton went down. Baylor went down. Oklahoma went down. Now two of those teams went down to other ranked teams. UConn went down to Seton Hall, 75-60. to 60. You know, Marquette lost earlier this week to Providence, 72 to 57. So, look, your ears should be perked up here. You should be well aware of what's been going on. You watched, uh, you know, Bloomington and what's happened down there this week. You've watched Nebraska screw around against the team that they should have dominated. Maryland screwed around on Tuesday, nearly lost to Nichols. It's what it just comes down to is you, you need to make sure you just take care of business. Get your starters out. Have a happy holiday. Let the backups in. Let them run. You need to get to that spot. Like I said, it's going to be a fun game, but I always get nervous with the bye games without the students. Not that the rest of the fans aren't loud and good. It's just, it's a different vibe. It's a different juju. And sometimes this can get a little. A little bit closer than you want to. But like I said, I think that point has been made by uh, a lot of teams, not in just the Big Ten, but in the top 25 this week. If you're not paying attention, and if you take it for granted, a team with nothing to lose can come in here. And again, I'm telling you the advanced metrics here. I'm not saying that Jacksonville is going to make this a game. But I'm just telling you, that if you give them an opportunity outside of getting dominated in the rebounds, 
a lot of these metrics are kind of on par with what Purdue does. My point being is if you want to let them be dangerous, they can be dangerous. So don't give them the opportunity. I know, real scientific breakdown in this one. What do you want? I mean, it's just, it's a 30-point game. Jacksonville turns the ball over a ton. And it's a bye game. It is what it is. By the way, shout out to uh, Rafael Davis, who's actually on uh, the uh, Big Ten broadcast tonight. B10 broadcast. He's courtside. Welcome back, big guy. Let him. Oh, hopefully, he gets to address the team beforehand. Never be able to thank that guy for what he did here at Purdue. Like never. And we're already how many years removed from his tenure here? And I feel like people um, look back on him fondly, but tend to forget it. Just what kind of shape the program was in there for a while? What the you know, kind of the culture had kind of slid into, and that was the guy that was that first pillar, that real true foundation of getting this team to where it needed to go. It's not, this program is not here today without the contributions of Rafael Davis. And I feel like we forget about that sometimes. He is just as every bit as pivotal uh, to the success of this team in the Painter era uh, than anybody else. I firmly believe that. We're going to take our final break. We'll come back. We'll wrap up the Hammer Down Show next. Welcome back. It's the Hammer Down Show, 1017 The Hammer, 1017TheHammer.com. Getting ready for the holidays here. Tomorrow on the show, uh, usually have Sam King. I should probably text him and be like, you're cool, right? I'm sure he'll be on. And we'll discuss this Purdue win with you tomorrow um, and get you ready as we head into the holiday and stuff, too. Uh, it's been a, it's been another great week here. Thank you to Tom Deanhart for being on with us again. Normally do things we may have missed, but I, I keep on coming back to what is happening at Florida State and their desire to get out of the ACC. And everybody just kind of assumes, yeah, this is going to go straight to the Big Ten. I, I don't see it. I just don't. But Tom had brought up, too, you know, if they want anybody... And the Big Ten, it's it's UNC, right? But for these people that think it's it's just about the conference, look, there's two things you have to consider. I, I think when it comes to Florida State right now, okay, it's uh, and why they want to go because I think there's a lot of people, and I've seen this argument that say, why do it? With the expansion of the college football playoff, if you're in the ACC, you got to get past maybe one or two teams. You go to the SEC, well, you got to deal with AM, you got to deal with Texas, you got to deal with Alabama, you got to deal with Georgia. Uh, you go to the Big Ten, you got to deal with Ohio State, Michigan, you got to deal with Penn State, um, you know, and then whoever else you got to deal with UCLA, USC, uh, and that's a gauntlet. Wouldn't it just be better for you to run the tables over there at the ACC, end up that championship game, and then go ahead and get yourself into the expanded field for the playoffs. That seems like the path of least resistance. But the thing you're not considering if you are on that train of thought is it's just the money that comes into the university, which getting out of here is going to be a shortfall 
for a couple of years. Absolutely. But when you look at the difference between what the, you, you, if you're talking 25 to $30 million a year, you are out there recruiting against Miami. You're out there recruiting against Florida, who's already, Florida's already dominating you. Your rival's already dominating you in money that they get coming in every year. You got to make that up. Now, extrapolate that with 20, uh, 20, $25 million a year, something like that. Now, start extrapolating that over the next you know, five years. Dur- during one, one recruit comes in, spends five years there. That's $125 million you're behind that your uh, rivals get to spend. That is why Florida does not want to see them in the SEC. And unless the SEC says, hey, we can make X amount of more dollars, they're not going to do it. It's just not going to happen. Florida does not want to be at a competitive uh, disadvantage to Florida State in any way, shape, or form. And right now, they own them. Same thing with Miami. That's why they don't want to see them in there. There's a recruiting hotbed there in Florida they want to have the inside track, and when you got the money, it's a heck of a lot easier to do that. And that's what you got to think about. People are going, oh, I'm going to spend $150 million just to make you know an extra $10 or $15 million a year seems ridiculous. No, it doesn't. Because it's about that gap with all those other schools around you. That's what it is. It's that gap. And you may have to take a short-term bump now to avoid a very long-term problematic effect of being a have-not. Because eventually you catch up in this scenario, getting out and joining the SEC or the Big Ten. You stay there in the ACC over the next 10 years, you're still going to be nine figures behind Florida. And everybody else that recruits that area. It's not a good place to be. And that's what Florida State really realizes. That's what... USC realized, and UCLA, well, UCLA just, they, they, this is to save the actual athletic department. They need the money. But Washington knows this. Oregon knows this. If you want to continue to dominate, you need that money coming in. And especially if we're going to get to a point where we're paying the athletes directly from the universities, every dollar counts now over the next several years. Money is a competitive edge. You don't have it, you're behind the eight ball. Florida State right now sees that gap growing with schools like Florida, and it can't afford to have that anymore. All right, that's going to wrap it up here for us on the Hammer Down Show. Best of luck tonight to those Boilermakers. We're going to be back again tomorrow, 3 o'clock. Sam King will be on with us here as well. And then don't forget, you can always go back and listen to these episodes on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts is up there. It's also on the 1017 The Hammer mobile app. You can stream the station with that, or just go to 1017thehammer.com. It's posted up there. I'll see you back here tomorrow, 3 o'clock, here on the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer. 101-